Welcome to the Mama Truth Show, where soulful mamas embrace the whole truth of the messiness and magic of motherhood. Check us out at mamatruthshow.com. Here's your host, Amy Ehlers, the Wake Up Call Coach. Happy Mama Truth Monday, mamas. It's Amy Ehlers, the Wake Up Call Coach, and I'm so excited to have you back for another Mama Truth Show. I have a super special guest today named Caroline Green, and we're going to really talk about how Caroline and how you can make your way through that deep darkness that sometimes comes on to us as mamas and find your way back to what really, truly matters for you. Just to let you know, she's an Amazon bestselling author. She's a life and business coach who helps determined moms start businesses and build lives that truly matter to them. So Caroline, thank you so much, my dear, for being on the Mama Truth Show. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Um, and, you know, it's a crazy journey that got me here. There isn't a day that goes by that I, I do a show or I do a blog or I book a client that I just take a step back and sort of am in awe and gratitude and amazement and wonder at, um, at where this, where, where I've ended up and how I've gotten here. And um, yeah. You know, I know, right? Yeah, I which is, you know, I always say that my mom always thinks it's really funny that because I was one of those teenage girls that could not stop talking on the phone, right? And this was back before, obviously, the texting and the and all this other stuff, because I'm sure I would have been like a text addict. But, you know, I was talking on the phone and she's like, I can't believe you make a living talking to people on the phone about like meaningful things to them. I'm like, I know, isn't it so weird? So much gratitude for that. And now I get to do the Mama Truth show and talk to moms about all this stuff. It's so fun. Oh. It's so funny. It's funny too because um, I was listening to one of your past shows and Lisa Rankin was talking about how her mind couldn't have conceived where yeah. her calling was leading her and there was no vision board big enough for <laughs> for what was in store for her. And and I had like the exact opposite story, so I hated the phone. In fact, I hated the <laughs> phone so much. So I'm a recovering lawyer. Um, I, 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 did, I did the straight and narrow, so I came from a um, – uh, an Italian immigrant wasp family. So like, uh, you know, like my mom cried when I got into Yale, like from the boat to Yale. Um, and I love it. yeah. And so like I did all the right things, you know, I went to, um, I went to prep school. I went to first generation to go to prep school, first generation and go to Ivy, went to the best law school I could, got the best firm job I could, um, and sort of did, um, all the right things. And when I was at the firm, so this was the phone. So when I was at the firm, I would get these assignments. Like we would have to, whatever case you were on, there would always be phone work. Like you'd have to call people or you'd have to do, and I did these antitrust cases, which I will not bore you with, but there was a lot of cold <laughs> calling people to, to do market research and stuff. And um, I would go to like the senior associate on my case and I would be like, you know, I, I just, I really don't like the phone. <laughs> and they would be like, uh, I really don't care. Go back to your hole and do the calls. Um, and here, and so when I started this journey, actually, I said two things. One, I would never coach over the phone and well, I would never be a coach period. I, and if I were, I would never coach over the phone. I'd only coach in person. And, um, my favorite mediums are by far phone coaching and, um, podcast interviews. These are like my two, you know, this is like the most fun stuff ever. Um, and so, yeah, like, it's I so funny, right? Life is so weird. Life is so funny. And I love, I mean, I love that you say, you know, recovering lawyer and you know, you, so, okay, so you have to share with everyone because before we started recording, Caroline was telling me a little bit about how she ended up being this incredible life and business coach for determined mamas out there. 
tell people how you ended up in this crazy world of coaching. Yeah. So I think like so many people who are called to a life of more, this is the way I describe it, not more stuff, more things, more doing, but just that insatiable more have a moment of deep sadness um, or a deep trauma that sort of derails them and shakes what their previous life and previous values were. And for yeah. me, that that came in the form of postpartum depression, yeah. um, which actually onset while I was pregnant with my second child. And nobody, this was about four or five years ago. And so I, I knew what postpartum was, but not really. I was the first one of my friends to have a baby. No one was talking about it. And I certainly didn't really get that a hormonal imbalance could, of course, start before you actually had the baby. Um, right. So I, right. Oh, interesting. So, yeah. yeah. So there's no, all postpartum is, is it's a, it's a depression caused by a change in your hormonal level. So, um, and I was never, so I didn't even know what was happening. I just knew that like everything was dark all the time. I call it the deep darkness. I was just in this place of really of deep sorrow and, um, and it was really bleak. And luckily my, my eldest child uh, however you believe in the divine, I come from the Christian tradition, but the, the, the divine just like shed their light around my first child. She was completely isolated from this. It's every time I was around her, I was completely fine. It was bizarre. And I, and mm. I, I put up a really good front, right? So I was, I was someone who taught how to wear the mask well of success of holding it together. And so never, you know, vulnerability was not in my toolbox. Um, yeah you know, I just, I just put up the mask. And so I actually presented really well. I think very few people knew how hard, um, things were, how much I was suffering, even my own darling husband. Um, but when my daughter and my daughter, my second daughter was a terrible sleeper. Mm. So on top of the imbalance we had, so, she, and she couldn't breastfeed. So I also didn't have the hormonal balancing out going on there. She was um, a beautiful, healthy baby who took two bottles every two hours for nine months. <laughs> Oh my gosh. So, um, she was just a crazy eater. And so, so it's incredibly sleep deprived, round the clock bottle feeding for those. I'm sure there are other moms listening who've done that. It's horrible. Um, so yeah. at, at nine months, she started sleeping through the night. And when she slept, I slept. And when I slept, I had this, it's a very cliched moment, but this is actually how it happened. I stepped out of the shower, caught my own eyes in the mirror and didn't know who she, that person was. Like I yeah. just, I didn't know who she was. And that's the first sense I ever had that there was a me inside that was not aligned with the me that the world was seeing. That, the, that all of the goodness, and it's interesting, I never had a self-esteem problem. I never had a, a doubt that my true self was good. Right. But I, I had an inability to communicate to the world who that person was. So I felt like a fraud all the time. I felt this distance all the time. And I look, I realized that the person my husband was getting, the person my children were getting, the person that the world was seeing wasn't me. And I walked out. My poor husband was just trying to put on his pants to go to, to go to work. And um, I just looked right at him and I said, you know what? I don't know if I can be happy like other people can be happy, but, um, but I'm going to fight. I said, for you and for the girls, like, I'm going to try. I'm going to go try. And God bless him. He knew one word more, one word less might have put me over the edge. So he just said, okay. That's all he said. He said, yeah. okay. 
and he put on his pants and I was still standing there in my towel, you know, <laughs> I yeah. went back into the bathroom and, um, and that was the beginning. I, you know, uh, that was the beginning. That is so powerful. And I know that there's some moms that are listening right now that might be in that deep, dark place that you were talking about. And I just want any of you moms that are in that space right now to just know that we see you and feel you and hear you. I can like just feel it in my body all over right now of how difficult it is when you're in that space, whether it's postpartum depression or just freaking sleep deprivation, hormonal imbalances, fighting with your partner, like whatever it is, no matter how old your kids are, that it is so hard as a mom because we don't get a freaking day off. And so there you are. I just, gosh, Caroline, I, I love the way that you spoke about that because there you are taking care of this little tiny human that is relying on you for her to survive. And then you have another tiny human that's looking up to you. Like you said, thank God she kind of had the light shining around her. So she was protected from it in some way. But that moment in the mirror of you looking into your own eyes, and I just want to encourage everyone listening to to do that today. I always know it sounds cheesy. I always think of that Stuart Smalley skit from SNL of like, and gosh darn it, people like me, you know, looking in the mirror. But oh God, it can be so important to look into our own eyes on a daily basis to just remind you of that you're there and that you're there for yourself and that you can be your own best friend. And so for you, Caroline, when you saw that in your own eyes and you made that decision that you were going to, to fight, to find happiness, where did that lead you next? So the first thing I did was try and find a therapist and I wish, wish, wish I could tell you that it was easy and I found a great one and they mm -hmm. helped me. But my journey, how I ended up a life coach was slightly different. I found terrible therapists after terrible therapists. Oh, that um, sucks. Oh. Yeah. And in yeah. fact, like I remember saying, like, I would just sit in a chair and I'd be like, I, I think that maybe I'm depressed. Like, do you think I'm depressed? And they would be like, I don't know. Do you think you're depressed? Say more about why you think you're depressed. Like nobody oh, would, would talk to me like a person. And I kept trying. Um, I kept trying. I tried multiple therapists. I did ultimately find a good one. Praise God. But, um, yeah. But it took, it was hard. And so. Well, and I think you're pointing, sorry to interrupt here, but yeah. I just think that you're pointing to something that's really important for people to hear because I've, I've gone through therapy myself. I've had an amazing therapist that I eventually found, but I also went through a few therapists that weren't so hot. And so I just want to say to any of you that are seeking help and you've made that radical call, whether it's a therapist or a coach, like to, like that you're reaching out trying to get some freaking support. If you do not find the right person, keep looking. Don't settle. If it doesn't feel right in your body, if it doesn't, like if you're in that space where you know that it's not the right support person for you, keep looking, push on, keep asking for referrals, you know, e email Caroline, email me, we'll do whatever we can to help. Like you deserve to have help that actually resonates for you. And I'm so glad you eventually found that person. Yeah. And it, but it was hard. And I just want to uh, exactly what you said in terms of really trusting your instinct, mm -hmm. because I do believe, I don't believe everything happens for a reason, but I believe that we, everything that happens in some ways, um, can, can lead us deeper into some knowledge or understanding if mm. we choose to look at it that way. And, and the, the silver lining for me was that, um, you know, I learned how to advocate for myself and I, and I learned 
how to voice eventually, like, this isn't what I believe. And the way that you're talking to me isn't in support of me. And I need to find something different. But, um, but it was really hard. And especially if you're a people pleaser, I'm also a recovering approval addict and people pleaser. And, Mm. and when you buy into the authoritative dynamic and believe that people are authoritative, authoritative figures for a reason that serves you, right? Like I, I tend to trust doctors. I tend to trust other lawyers. Like I was, I was raised that professionals have the right answers and sometimes they do, right? But sometimes they don't. And so often we can sit in that chair week after week, knowing in our bodies that we, this is not where we're, how our healing is going to take place. Yeah. But we don't voice that and we don't stand up for and advocate for ourselves because everything we know says, um, that we, that this should work. We think it should work. And we've, we've never been taught that those intuitive voices are in fact the foundation. I know you talk about this a lot, Amy, that the foundation for, um, for really making those decisions that are in alignment with, with how our healing and transformation is going to take place. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I sat on the couch for a long time and, um, and somewhere along the line, I also, um, I went on a spiritual quest So I was, um, at the time very involved in my church community and just did a lot of, um, just diving into my tradition and reading a lot, really beginning to ask like, okay, so this is the religion that I chose, but what does it mean? And why do I believe the things that I believe? You know, all of that, I sort of say that I, I, um, I revisited all those adolescent questions, right? Do I really believe this? Why? Mm -hmm. Um, and found out actually that I didn't believe in the way that I was being told a lot of the things that I was being told and bounced around, spent two or three years really bouncing around, finally ended up with a great, I now have, I joke, but I tell everyone I meet just how many people help me now because uh, ultimately I found a spiritual advisor. I found the Martha Beck life coach training program. Mm -hmm. I have a life coach. I have a business coach. I have a health coach. I have like a billion and not that you need a billion, but for me, um, having, I was rewiring and I'm still rewiring, you know, 30 plus years of what a life should look like. Um, I had to call in a, an entire army. Yes. <laughs> I know, right. I know. I, I, you know, Sark, um, one of my, my, one of my best friends, Sark and, um, you know, was a longtime reader before she became such a dear friend, but in one of her books, I can't remember which one, but she said something like, I will never live an unsupervised life again. And I'm like, yes, I need constant supervision. I am so with you, Caroline. I've got my, you know, my business mentor coach. I have this other coach that's my financial coach. And then I have my spiritual coach and, you know, and then it's, it's, but like constantly. And, and I just feel like as women, it is like as human beings, of course, but also especially for us as women and especially for us as moms, we need support. We cannot do this on our own, ladies. We just cannot. It's crazy to try to do it. It really does take a village. And I feel like everything from, you know, my, um, my wonderful, amazing household assistant and nanny Renee, who's in the next room with my two-year-old right now. I mean, I, I like, I, I, we need help and I am so with you that it, uh, you know, I have an army as well at all times, at all times. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and this is part of one of the one of the most um, dangerous myths that I see in our culture right now is um, the myth of self-sufficiency. Yes. This idea that if I could just get it right, I wouldn't need help. 
And it just so undermines, you know, we were not created to live side by side in brick buildings, separated by thick walls, raising kids. We were lulling to sleep with machines. Now I did all of those things. There's no judgment. (laughs) Like I'm not judging anyone doing that right now, but like, I just, you know, for part of my journey was that I used to walk around and I would just say out loud, like, this is insane. Like yeah. every, like the way that we live is insane. And I found that it takes so much courage to say that out loud. Um, but once you start saying it, so many people are thinking it. Like you, so if anyone is, if this resonates, if you're listening, like you are not alone. We were not created to be with children all the time by ourselves. And there is nothing wrong with saying as a mother, I cannot do this 24 seven, seven days a week alone. Yeah. Um, and you know, and I, I, and yeah. And if you don't have family structure, like there's nothing wrong with hiring help. And if you can't afford to hire help, there's nothing wrong with banding together in your block or community to work out baby swaps and timeshare arrangements and like all sorts of things, like anything you need to support you. Yes. I love it. There was some weird, like, interesting sound going off being like, yes, yes. <laughs> it was like the, the emphasis, like the universe is like, yes, please make sure the women hear this. It's so true. Uh, yeah, we are not meant to be these isolated creatures with babies all around us, you, you know, raising them on our own. We, we can't do it. We cannot do it. And it is so important to band together and to come together in community mm-hmm. with one another. We have this amazing group of friends that we always joke that we're going to buy a compound together <laughs> in our in our golden years and all grow old together because we're like they were just up here for a, a long weekend recently um this these dear friends of ours and and we're all like okay, we're getting to be in this midlife range now and you know it's happening. Like we feel it in our bodies. When are we buying the compound because we do. We need each other. We need each other. And if you know another mom right now who's struggling that's in your community, reach out to her. Reach out to her and say, you know, hey, do you want to do a baby swap? Like, do you want to swap childcare for a couple nights? We can do this. And, and I think all of you listening here to the Mama Truth Show, we can really be the leaders in our community to help this happen more often. Yeah. So and important. You- and, and I don't, we're in such an up note. I hate to take it down a notch, but I do, I just want to say one thing because I, yeah. um, <laughs> I make it a spiritual practice to admit that I have very few friends oh, because I really have very few friends and I don't, I set the intention to have friends. Like I do have friends, but I don't have the mythic friend group. Like I don't have anyone to buy a compound with. Yeah. And, and I just share that because I had a lot of shame around that. In fact, I remember um, the first time I ever read anything by Brene Brown. I can't remember which one it was, but um, one of her brilliant books. And I got to the end and she was talking about like her dear friends and how she never would have. Oh, no, it was uh, Glennon Melton's Carry On Warrior about like her dear friends and how mm-hmm. they saved her life and how she never would have survived without them. And, and I had to close the book. There was such grief over that. I had poured myself into so many other areas of my life. And I, in fact, because I had bought into this myth of self-sufficiency, had really isolated myself from other women. I didn't know how to be vulnerable. I was raised in an insular in an insular nuclear family that really didn't reach out to people. And that was a sign of strength that right. we were self-sufficient. Yeah. And so I didn't know how to, um, to build relationships. Add on top of that, I moved every three years. So I thought relationships were disposable. Like every three years you got new friends cause you moved. Wow. 
And so I just say for anyone listening who's like, oh, I so want the commune. Like that it for some of us, like we just, it takes intention and it takes patience. So I have, as I've gone on this journey, I probably honestly, when I was at the law firm and had that deep darkness moment, when I, when I looked at myself in the mirror, I bet that I really didn't have any real friends. Like I had people who thought they were my friends and people from high school and college I stayed in touch with, but like I wasn't doing life alongside anyone. And now I probably have three people that I can say are in that, like really we're doing life alongside one another. Yeah. But it took a long time. Like it took three to five years to cultivate three people, right? If you're not, so I just, again, I just want to, and I'm beautiful and all for the commune. I totally want a commune. We're called to live life together. But just in case there are people listening who are like, I don't want to do life alone, but I don't know how to do life with other people that sometimes that's something we have to learn. And I'm a really bad friend. Like I try and be a really good friend, but it doesn't come naturally to me. So actually, like as I was cultivating these friendships, I actually had to sit down and have conversations with people that were like, look, I only know how to have friends for three years or less. Like I want to have a relationship with you. I don't really know how. Like I need you to tell me what normal people do to have friends. And um, and really I had to work at friendship even though interestingly marriage came very easily to me, but friendship didn't. It was, it was a hard, it was a hard walk. I'm so grateful that you just said that Caroline, because I know for me being an extrovert, the way that I am, like I knew like having close friends and being able to verbally process with other people has been like oxygen for me. It has come incredibly naturally for me and it was just one of those things where I knew from a very young age, how important friendships were for myself. And even, you know, regardless of my upbringing, um, it was like, it, it was just, it was like oxygen. I, there was no way that I would survive, have survived any of the phases of my life, whether, you know, Lord forbid junior high and going through that whole catastrophe, you know, and, and then having friends that you think are your friends and then we, the backstabbing and all of that stuff. And the same thing in high school and college or whatever. And then ultimately for me being in my, the mom's group that I was in, um, and we still meet eight years later because this was with my first daughter. Um, you know, it it was like I couldn't have survived the transition of becoming a mom without having friends that were walking the same path in the same phase as me. And that's one of the reasons why I'm creating Mama Truth Circles and have created Mama Truth Circle um, is because I know that it, that not everybody has had that experience. And I know that it saved my life as a mom being able to have good friends that were also going through the sleep deprivation and the identity challenges and everything that was going through. And so I love that you said that. And I know that there's people that can really relate to what you said. So thank you for being vulnerable about that. Yeah, no, it's my pleasure. And I, you know, I think again, for me, truth telling has always come easy, mm. but what's, what's been hard is um, relinquishing an idea of what my expectation of normal is. So it was like, I always wanted to tell the truth, but I would tell it defensively or I would tell it in a way that because of the shame and the guilt of the knowledge I thought and put it in quotes of the deviation from the normal or the good, like, yeah. if, you know, and, and, and so I do, I just try whenever I hear like, not to, not to contrast the light with the underside, but to, to just say like that it's, it, our past looks so different, you know, and I was, it was so hard, part of my journey was that I was told I was an extrovert my whole life, and I was actually told that I made friends easily, but I'm actually an ambivert, 
And like, I, I really am more introverted than extroverted. And mm. so like you said, like, but I didn't know that about myself and right. I couldn't honor that about myself until somebody had taught me that. And somebody really, you know, I, I, I joke, but I don't mean to do it too lightly that it's really about, um, so much of coaching is about giving people permission to be who they already are. Yes. You yes. know, it's like, I, I knew these things about myself sort of, but not really. And certainly nobody had ever told me they were okay because I had been given one right way to do things and one right way, um, to show up in the world. And so, yeah, so I just like want to hold space, um, and love, love, love the circles. It's really interesting. Actually. Um, my, the way my business has shifted is that I'm actually opening a space, a co-working space just for entrepreneurs, local entrepreneurs in DC who are moms, um, to support and to build that, that relationship, community, yeah. to build that community outside, sort of like, you know, when the kids go back to school and the moms, you know, you don't, everyone's at mom's group with their kids or like how do people go back to work and people drift apart and you're starting a business and you're trying to keep up, like how to build that intentional community because, I often find also that when people start returning to work, um, that they start dropping off some of that networking and they don't realize that that tribe of women that really are supporting you and that, that intentional, like you said, walking alongside in your same stage, like it really is something that's really not optional, even right. when you're busy and overwhelmed. Right. And even if you're back at work and, and killing yourself and have work friends and because, um, because we were, yeah, we're human relational creatures. Yes. Called, yes. You know, we were, and I, and I just believe that we're meant to connect in those deeper ways, regardless of what stage we're in. Absolutely. Well, and I'm realizing as the clock is ticking down here, I, I can already tell we're going to go over. Normally, I like to keep it 30 minutes or less, but I feel like there's this hanging thread, Caroline, of how the heck you became a coach. I feel like what so you we kind of <laughs> left off on that story and then leapt off onto all these other things. But I know that you know you were talking about that you, you know, you tried to find the therapist and then finally you found the therapist and then you really went through this spiritual awakening. And then what led you to becoming a coach? So I um, put Martha back, I think, in the Google machine. Like I Googled some ridiculous question, like what is my life's purpose or something. I really did that. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. You know, like over and over again as if Google would tell me. And here's the amazing thing. Not that this is a strategy that I tell people to employ, but it happened to be true. That one night I put in what's the purpose of life and I got a Martha Beck article that I had actually already read. You know, you can tell it's hyperlinked. Yeah. That I swear I had never read before huh. um, in O Magazine. And I read it and it was the first time that I felt like I wasn't crazy, that there were other people in the world who had had these, like I said, this sense of more, right? That there was yeah. something other, that I was only living in part of myself and part of my life and part of the world that wasn't allowing for this deeper meaning um, that I thought was out there. And so I devoured her books and then I'm a very rational person. So I calculated how much my therapy would cost for the year and then I looked at coach training and coach training was cheaper. <laughs> and so I went to my husband and I was like, you know, I've healed more in six weeks reading books by Martha Beck than I have in three years of therapy. So like, or however many years I've been in therapy. So I was like, so I really would like to stop doing therapy and start doing coach training. And I have the most supportive, wonderful husband in the entire world. So he was like, okay. Um, and, but here's the thing, right? That enormous resistance that rears its ugly head out of nowhere when you're on your right path. Like all of a sudden I was like, but I can't, I can't do it. Like I could, that would be embarrassing that all these like weird 
resist, like, how would I tell my old law firm friends that I like was going yeah. to life coach school? Like, how would I tell my mom? All that kind of came out. And so my sweet, sweet husband, I had long hair at the time. I now have short hair because I love short hair, but of course I had long hair because that's what pretty girls wore long hair. That was a myth that I had. <laughs> so I had long hair. And so my husband, God bless him, rolled over and took my long hair and stuck it up my nose. This is before going to bed. And, and was like, get out of bed and go sign up for Martha Beck. And I was like, no, I'm not going to. And he wouldn't stop. And I was like getting so mad. I was like doing the swatting, you know, and like, this isn't funny. <laughs> and, and he just like never pushes me to anything, but, um, made me get out of bed and, sh and, and sign up for the, of course, by the way, the one extra slot off the wait list that suddenly appeared to get, right. Martha Beck. Right. you know how that goes. So, um, yeah. Yeah, so then I ended up in coach training, uh, sure that I wasn't going to be a coach, right? Because I had only gone to because it was cheaper than therapy. Um, and but the rest is kind of history. I I started coaching while I was still in training and never stopped. Mm. I love it. I love it. And all of you, you can visit um, Caroline and see everything that she's up to on her website, Caroline Green Coaching. Dot com and green is spelled with an e at the end carolinegreencoaching.com and i know caroline that you also have you're going to gift everybody that's listening to the your book one of your books yeah so um i chronicled this journey that we covered in sorry sort of uh back and forth fashion um, <laughs> <laughs> i'm not really a linear thinker much anymore these days um I chronicled my journey from lawyer, stay-at-home mom, um, and how the tools that I used, that I learned, and also taught myself and developed along the way to really reconnect with my true self and who I'm really meant to be in order to um, find a career um, that that was right for me and my family and what really mattered to me, how, how I actually dug in and did that hard work um, in my first book, Matter. And I would love to give everyone um, who's interested a paperback copy. So all they have to do is email me at caroline at carolinegreen with an e coaching.com and just put um, matter in the, in the subject line um, with your mailing address and I'll throw a signed copy in the mail. Oh my gosh, that's so awesome. Okay, so caroline at carolinegreencoaching.com. Email caroline, um, put matter in the subject line. Let her know you found her on the Mama Truth Show and she's going to send you an actual hard copy of her book, a paper. Like that is incredible. Thank you so much, Caroline. It's my pleasure. That is awesome. I love it. I love it. So one of the things that we like to do here at the Mama Truth Show is just wrap up by asking you what's messy and what's magical about motherhood these days for you. Yeah. So what's messy about motherhood I think is um, – all, what's always been messy about motherhood for me is wrestling with big feelings. It's still really hard. So mm. the kid, my, my girls are four and six. They have a lot of big feelings. Um, having spent most of my adult life out of t a touch with my own emotions, it turns out I have a lot of big feelings. <laughs> um, and, and really doing that messy work of um, of of really uh, communicating in a compassionate way with small children that things hurt other people's feelings without making them own your feelings as a mom. Mm. You know, like when you can say that wasn't a kind choice um, without sort of going to that place where like they make me cry, you know, because like sometimes, you know, they're little kids and they say the meanest thing yeah. and yeah. really and really holding space for them to have their big feelings 
um, and me to have my big feelings without putting those big feelings on those tiny little people who are just, you know, who are just trying to feel their way through the world. So that's constantly messy in our house. Um, Better with self-care, but constantly messy. Yeah. And what's magical right now, um, particularly this week, is um, we're making a commitment to uh, quality time at the end of the day. I actually hate that word quality time, but our bedtime routine, we had just gotten so busy that it was literally either only four and six, but it was literally like read a book, get in bed, turn off the lights. Good night. You know? Yeah. 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 Just like, and I was just, how fast can I get downstairs to make dinner and be alone? Like was the tone of our end of the day. And, and <laughs> I don't I just, know what you're talking about. Yeah. And I've never done that before. Never done that. No moms do that. Um, <laughs> and I just realized, you know what, that it was, Um, that I was doing, uh, it wasn't serving me or them. So not only was it setting this, I think a negative pattern for us at the end of the day, but like I was doing weird things like going for wine or going for food or looking Mm. for, you know, like I was unsettled. And so we've committed to this really magical bedtime routine that involves all this cool stuff that we never did as a kid. So we were doing the yoga pretzel series. It's this little great card series um, where the kids get to pick some yoga poses at the end of the day. And then we've introduced essential oils. So they take turns alternating who gets to pick the bedtime smell. Um, and we're just like taking more time to read books, more time to just be present. And I have to say, um, it, it really is magic. I don't know. Now it's, we're only on day three, right? So like, <laughs> <laughs> By the time you release this podcast, it may be over. (laughs) It's magical right now, Caroline. Celebrate it. Right now it's magical and I'm going to own it. That's right, baby. Yeah, absolutely. I love it. I love that. Thank you so much, Caroline. Thank you so much for having me. It's been really fun. Oh my gosh, so much fun. All right, mamas. Well, thank you so much for tuning in. Next week on Mama Truth Monday, we'll be releasing the next Mama Truth show, which is all about dropping the mask of being the perfect mom. So until next time, it's Amy Ehlers, the Wake Up Call Coach, signing off. Much love, everyone. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. If you like what you've heard, the biggest compliment you can give us is to share the Mama Truth show with a friend and subscribe, rate, and review our podcast at iTunes. And make sure to visit MamaTruthCircle.com to become part of our free community of soulful mamas. Until next time, keep embracing the messiness and the magic of motherhood.